Thank you, team. They did an awesome job leading us in worship this morning, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good thing I'm not preaching. We'd be here for another hour. I'm so pumped up. So this is a privilege for me this morning to uh, announce our speaker. Um, when, uh, when I was actually supposed to be away this week, uh, I arranged with Dave to come and, and preach. And uh, plans changed on that front, but uh, I still wanted him to come and be here. So Dave Watson and I met back when I was still a police officer. In fact, uh, the way that we met was quite funny. Uh, if you, once you get to know Dave, you'll understand why. He came up to me after we were at church together, and he came up to me after seeing me teach one Sunday and said, uh, you're pretty good at teaching. Would you like me to show you how really to do it? Uh, he recognized the gift in me before I even knew that I had it. Um, he recognized that I could preach when I had never, ever preached before. That's the truth. Uh, he's a big reason why I'm a pastor and not a police officer today. Uh, he's been a mentor of mine for many, many years. Even when I was going through a pretty tough season of ministry before I came here, Dave would drive hours out of his way to meet with me and encourage me. And uh, so he's, uh, he's that kind of guy. I'm not going to get choked up. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> he's a great speaker. He loves Jesus. And I'm so excited that he can come today and share a word from God with you. So would you give him a welcome? Dave Watson. You have an amazing pastor. And I will get choked up. You have brought a spirit back. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's so healthy to see his spirit back. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, it's your name. And through your holy name, you heal. You do wonders. You do signs. And for some, those words are troubling. But for others, it's not. But Father, as we journey in this life, we meet people and we look at them and we say, this is impossible, but it's not for you. So today I just pray that your spirit would show us just a little bit that an impossible person can be touched by Jesus Christ. And what's amazing, you want to use us to do that. So help us see this. Encourage us to be more than church, but to be who you are. A man who touch lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Last year, our church decided to go on a little adventure. Our pastor decided to challenge the whole church to go to God to pray for one person new to come in everyone's life. So for four weeks, we were challenged to come up with one name that we don't know that God would cross our paths with just one person. You realize there's billions of people in this world. 
And that God is big enough and mighty enough to cross our paths with one person we don't know to love, to serve, to be kind to, and to present the gospel to. And God did that in my life. I was crazy enough to come up with the sermon. My pastor was crazy enough to preach it. And we did it together. And we prayed. And I prayed. And God actually did that in my life. He brought in RJ. His name is RJ. He's 32 years old. He is a wild man. You just wait. You haven't heard anything yet. But when I met RJ, he came to our church because he made a promise to someone when he was in prison that he would go to church one time, and that's it. And he met me the time he came to church. (laughs) Only God. But it's just amazing to watch how God worked. He was out of prison, and I discovered a lot. I learned a lot. I realized that if you've ever been in prison before, if if there's not someone outside of you to help you restart life, you're not going to make it. Because you don't have rent, you don't have food, you don't have clothes, you don't have work clothes, you don't have a job, you don't have a car. And when I met RJ, he didn't have a car, didn't have a license, he didn't have a job, he didn't have clothes, he didn't have work clothes, he didn't have transportation. And God put him on my heart, in my wife's heart, and we took our tithe, And we spent it on RJ, thousands of dollars to help him. That's what it takes. We helped him get a place. We helped him get clothes. We bought him a bike. We went to the store and bought him a bike. It was a $150 bike. And we went through the line. They only charged me $20. I said, sir, this is a $150 bike. No machine says $20. It's yours. And I looked at RJ's. He's a God that works wonders. And that's for you, not me. Because I got the money. We're rich people, are we not? compared to people out of prison. Everything was going good. But I've discovered as I developed a friendship with RJ that he was truly a wild man. He was in prison because of drugs and because he's just a con man. I'm just going to share three little stories of his wildness. Story number one, true story. He has a tendency to drink a lot, a little bit too much. Alcohol, not coffee, not soda. And he likes to go out pretty regularly every night and drink. And he's, I think he's a borderline alcoholic. I would call him alcoholic. Because on Friday night, he gets paid Friday afternoon. He gets his money on a, ch- on a card. And he takes his card, puts his card in a wallet, goes to the local bar and enjoys some drinks. And by the end of the night, he can't figure out where all his income went. Literally, he spent his whole week's income at a bar. I call that stupidity. Now, I can't call him stupid because that's not wise, but I just call him a wild man. You are just wild, and he loves to live wildly. I'm like, really? You spent your whole month's check, your whole week's check, in one night, and you don't even remember it. That's just dumb. At least when I go out, I remember what I'm doing. He'll just look at me, but I had fun. Really. He has two children. And when you are in prison, you don't get a chance to see your children. So he was in prison two years, so he hasn't seen his youngest child in two years. And when he left, the child was one. And when he came back, the child was three. 
He doesn't have a car, so my wife and I allowed him to use our car to drive to New Jersey with a couple friends because he couldn't drive. And he went to visit his child. He made it one hour with his child after not seeing him for two years. Then went out to the bar and gambled and played poker for the rest of the weekend. RJ is a broken person. Wild. His license plate on his car said, wild man. The best is to last. When you get out of prison, it's hard to get jobs. Unless you find a second chance company. So I have a small business. I just build houses for myself. I get bored, so I just build a house every couple years for my wife. I don't like painting, so I just build a house for her instead. So I don't have to paint it every five years. And I'm not kidding. I'm dead serious. She loves the new house, and I love building. So I take RJ with me to do plumbing and stuff to teach him a trade. So he says, Dave, I'm ready to go out and get a job. So he puts a a message on Facebook, gets a plumbing job to do a a whole bathroom. He quotes it for $4,000. I'm like, RJ, the materials cost $4,000. And he's like, I look down and says, how are you going to do this job? Well, I figured you would help me. Okay, I'll help you. Do you have any tools? No. I figured I could use your tools. Sure, go right ahead. Do you have a vehicle? No, I figured I can use your truck. Sure, go right ahead. Do you have any money for materials? No, I figured that you would pay for the materials. So, sure, go right ahead. I treat him like I treat my own son. So the first day of the job, he shows up. Everything went well. The second day, it was two hours late because he kind of went out that night. And the third day, I found out that he slept with the boss of the job. And I had to let him go. A wild man. God, of all the people in this world, you sent me, RJ. Why me? God sent me in an impossible person. He sent me out of all the billions of people, an impossible person. This is my definition of an impossible person. It's a person that is so blinded and so broken that the only thing you can do is to pray that a wonder of God would turn them around. My wife and I poured our souls out, and we still did. He called me yesterday. He blew his car up. He called me yesterday to help him fix it. We just pour our soul out to him, but there seems like there's nothing we could do to help him to turn him around. He just goes right out and gets drunk again and does something dumb and stupid. Can I use that word here? Thank you. It's not a curse word, right? I'm worried. And he just keeps it up. But I believe that God has humbled me to learn how to pray a wonder in this guy's life. Because it's going to take that. Somehow God's going to have to stretch his hand out and pick that man up and shine his light or do something with that guy that catches his heart. And I'm not quite willing to say that God's heart in his heart yet. Maybe he has. But I believe maybe I can pray and God will soften it. 
Do you know someone who's an impossible one in your life? For some of you, this could be very emotional. You have poured your heart out in a child or a loved one. You have given them everything, way too much. You have been the model of Christ for them. And they look at you, they live a wild life, a life that's just totally impossible. And you sit there, and this just brings up anger or emotion and pain. But the truth is, they need a wonder of God. And the truth is, you've probably prayed that and God hasn't answered yet. I prayed that for my dad and he died not knowing Jesus. I don't understand how that works. But I ain't giving up. And I have friends, I have brothers, I have sisters who don't know Christ. And they are wild, crazy people. The people in our world are no longer crazy. They're insane, are they not? And we're called to love them. We are called to pray for them. But I believe there is hope. We have a God with a hand. We have a God with a name. We sing his name. We got a God that can heal hearts. RJ needs healing. If I lived his background, I would be in prison too. And I had a rough background, but nothing like his. You get to know people. Maybe you're here today and you are an impossible one. You have messed up your life and you're only 10. No, I'm just kidding, okay? (laughs) But the truth is, you're an impossible one. You have just lived a life that's totally wild, totally insane. And you have been beaten, you have been bruised, you've been hurt by people. The truth is, if you had a healthy family, you would not be the way you are today. My friends, there is hope for you today. And that name is Jesus Christ. He is a God who raised from the dead. He is a God that heals souls. He is a God that does wonders. He is a God that has a hand. And he is alive today. I encourage you today. You're not impossible for God. He loves you despite what everything you've gone through. And if he can love me despite everything I've gone through, he can love you. Don't leave here today believing that there's no hope for you. There is hope for you. The reason why I believe there is hope because I know that this Jesus can do wonders because 2,000 years ago, he did a wonder, an impossible one, and that name was Saul. Have you ever looked at Saul, the person that wrote most of the New Testament as an impossible one? Hmm. A little challenge today. Something different maybe to use some of the brains here. There's some older people here, right? I see a lot of gray here. Well, you're, I'm old, right? You just look older. I don't know. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the guy next to you. You might be coloring your hair. He doesn't have any, so I'm... 
I won't be here next week. That's Dan's problem. So will you turn your Bibles to Acts 9, 1 through 9? Oh, by the way, Sean's here, right? Dan's here? I want to see the bodybuilder and the ex-cop in a ring somewhere with some, with some um, boxing gloves on. Would that not be a cool fundraiser Sunday morning here at church? <laughs> I put my money on the cop. Oh, God, that would be really fun. Sweet. Okay, can we move on to the scriptures now before I get in trouble? I know there's always one critic in every church. And God's brought you here for a reason, to keep pastors humble. I have 30 or 40 in every church I'm part of. Verse 1 of chapter 9 of Acts. I lost my place. I think I lost my place. Meanwhile. Oh, it's right there. Cool. Saul. Now, for you who are new, I want to take a little bit of time. So for you who are used to the scriptures, usually the older clan, hang in there with me. I love old people. Sometimes. Who's Saul? Saul was a Jewish Pharisee. For you who are not familiar with that, basically he was a teacher. He would be like me today, a teacher, or like Pastor Dan, a teacher, who would be teaching publicly. Um, Saul was a young man. We see that in Acts 7.58. We're not going to look at it. But basically the scripture there says that Paul was young. He was a zealot. He was a young man who had a religion, had a relationship with God. And he says, out, and he went after it. And to be a young man and to be a Pharisee, that means you were highly intelligent. You were a smart person. And that you, you were raised up to the top. And one of those gifted students, I call them nerds in cemeteries. Or I mean seminaries, same thing. <laughs> They're weird people. Never hire one. They're religious people. They're blinded by the religion. That's who this Saul is. Saul approved the killing of Stephen. Just a quick story. There was a guy in the Bible that his name was Stephen. He preached the gospel and Saul didn't like it. And he approved that someone could take a stone, not drugs, but a rock and throw it on Stephen and kill him and just pile him up. Now that's torture. Stephen was the first person killed for just preaching the, the faith of Jesus Christ. And Saul was sitting there back there in a the corner. That's God. He was approving it with his religion. That's how God works. That's what we need to do. Saul began to destroy the church. He is the first person that thought he could literally destroy this new movement, the hand of God and what God was doing in life. Saul said, hey, let me destroy it. He went from house to house to drag off men and women and put them in prison. I mean, you can drag off men, but the ladies too? That's not nice. That's mean. But the truth is Saul was blinded and broken because of what? 
his religion. You know what I call Saul? A prodigal brother. You hear a lot about the prodigal son. RJ is my prodigal son. He lives wild. But I know a lot of people who are religious people. They're prodigal brothers. They got it all figured out. But do they have a relationship with the father? No. They're so zealot. They believe everything they have is from God. And this is Saul. Meanwhile, verse 1, Saul was breathing out murderous threats. Look at his heart. See what's in his heart? Murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. His passion was to find these Christians and murder them. If you think about it, you want to do it, right? So he went to the high priest, verse 2, and as he asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there belonging to the way, before we were Christians, we were the way. Someone came up with the word Christian to define Christianity. Before that, it was the way. I think way would have been cooler. <laughs> Christian is too religious. But don't get me going. Whether, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was an impossible one, was he not? Here's my evidence. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Your name is Saul. I heard you're Saul. Oh, can I present you the love of Jesus Christ? He's going to lock me up, and he's going to take me to jail. And if I give him some of my Yankee accent from New York, give him my Yankee attitude... Here, let me preach. I don't care who you are. I I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to preach right to you. I think he'd chop my head off if he had opportunity. If not, stone me. Would he not? So is there anything I could do for this Saul but pray for a wonder of God? Have you ever looked at Saul that way before? Do you look at impossible people this way? And we all have them. And no, it's not my wife and it's not my husband. No, it's people that are blinded and broken in our culture. And take a look. Our culture's insane. Just go driving. See if you can make a day without someone flipping you off for doing something like stopping at a four-way stop sign. It's your turn. No, it's my turn. Before you know it, you get the four, you get the middle finger. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Saul so was a person that was so blinded and broken that the only thing that could do is pray. That what? A wonder of God can turn around. You ever pray for a wonder for someone before? Now, I am not a charismatic person. All that stuff is weird. But I believe in the charisma of God. I'm not praying to bark like a dog. I'm praying for a soul to be saved by the hand of God. 
And the reason why I do that, because I see it as biblical. I actually see it as the foundation of the church. Everything you did today is awesome, but it's not the foundation of a church. This is the foundation of a church. And we see that in Acts 4, 29. Now, Lord, this is the first prayer of the church. Consider their threats. This is Peter here praying in a small group of Christians. And they were threatened. They were told by the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, which Saul was one of them, to shut your mouth. If you don't shut your mouth, if you don't stop speaking about this name, Jesus Christ, we're going to put you on the cross. And you know what Peter said? Go right ahead. But they took that threat to God and prayed, I believe, the most powerful prayer in the New Testament. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Does it take courage and boldness to speak about Jesus Christ? Yes, especially when it could cost you your life. I don't even know what this would taste like. I know what it means to be saved in a non-Christian home, in an alcohol home, and how to have courage to speak there. But it never cost me my life. Actually, it was good when they picked on me because it forced me out of that setting. And it protected me. But could you imagine your life's at hand? And they pray for boldness. But look at what they actually prayed for, for the people. Verse 30, stretch out your hand. To my understanding, the hand of God is big enough to hold the world in his hand, according to the Old Testament, right? So they're looking at this not as some kind of wimp prayer. They're looking at this that this is a mighty God. This is the God who created this universe. And they have the courage to realize that he has a hand. It's just an image. But it's a mighty image. It's a powerful image. Stretch out your hand to heal. Physical healing, emotional healing. Anyone that I've met that's an impossible one is broken inside. They need healing. Healing that only the salvation of Jesus Christ can heal. The day I was saved, my soul was healed. Man, I have been smiling for 32 years and, and I am not stopped smiling. Something happened to my soul and I still can't shake it off. It's the best high I've ever had. Better than anything else I ever put in my mouth. And, there's the and here, and perform signs. You know, these people who are threatening us, God, heal them. Show them a sign. I mean, they saw signs. They saw Jesus do all kinds of stuff. But the church still says, God, open their eyes, show them a sign. We don't see any of this today. And not just that, wonders. Don't miss the rest of this verse. Through what? The name. Did we sing any song today with names? The church is good at singing about the name. 
but do you know there's a possible person in your life and that name needs to be brought up in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the God who separates us from all this in his name. I pray that you would do a wonder in my RJ that you brought to my life out all the crazy nuts in this world. You want me to pray for him now? It's easier to give him my money. But all day, all night, he's on my heart. I can't imagine a parent here who lives this. I have three children. I have not one headache from them. Don't ask me why. It's their wife. It's my wife. She's a saint. But God has blessed us. And I've gone through more how with one person in the last year than I have gone through all three of my kids put together. And they're all adults. But only God. And I've often wondered if Acts 9.3 is the answer to church's prayer in Acts 4. Can I read that again for some of the Bible scholars here? Because maybe you can help me. I think it is. Because God's going to do a revival, I think he's going to attack the evil person first and turn them around. But have you ever wondered if Acts 9.3 is the answer to the prayer in Acts 4? It's this context. Let's go to 9.3. And as he neared to Macus, this is Paul now, we're going back to the story about Paul, for you who are new to the faith. On his journey, suddenly, I love this word, suddenly. You never know what's going to happen the next moment in your life, right? Suddenly, just like that, a light. And this is no flashlight. This is no, um, well, it'll be nice. People shining their phone lights and concerts and all that. No, 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 no. This is the light of God. Literally in the Greek, it's the glory of Jesus Christ. And what happens from this glory from heaven? It flashed where? Catch this. Around him, completely around him. Have you ever had a light shine all the way around? And he's just stuck. Go ahead, stone another person, Paul. Right? Can you imagine this being here? Here's this religious freak who's destroying lives. He said, impossible. The church is praying, God, stretch your hand out and heal and do a sign and a wonder. Is this a sign or is this a wonder? I call it a wonder. And what happens? Ah, does every impossible need to learn how to fall to the ground? And have you prayed? Your hearts of hearts. This is painful to pray. That a light of Jesus Christ, that his glory would surround your one. This is church. And I'm not a charismatic. I don't like it when people put hands on me. It's weird. Most of those people are just weird. I'm sorry, forgive me, I shouldn't do that. Talk to the brother about that way. But this stuff's not weird. 
what makes it weird and not weird? Because when there is a wonder, you will hear from the presence of God. And our life will be changed. There will be evidence of the glory of God. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, can Jesus do this today? Sure. I'm not going to tell Jesus he can't do something. You can. I am not. Does he do this today? Yeah. There's testimonies coming from the Muslim world of this voice speaking to people out in the middle of nowhere, which cost them their heads. Just look at the TV, right? A voice. And I believe in the voice of Jesus Christ. I have never heard it this way. But when the Spirit speaks to me, I know, and my wife knows too. And she'll look at me and say, oh, God spoke to you today. She says, I've got to do it, dear. I'm sitting in the car today. I get a call from a friend in Oxford. Is that where it is? Is there a place called Oxford in Pennsylvania? He said, Dave, I want to go to church with you. Well, I've got to preach. I don't have time to go pick you up. I went to go pick him up. It's like an hour and a half from here. <laughs> and you know what I, the Spirit told me? It's better to be late than it is to miss bringing someone with you. Like, oh, thanks, God. My car can go faster than 80. <laughs> Parents, I'm sorry. You didn't hear that. I do not have an email address or a phone number, so text it to Dan, okay? <laughs> Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Right to the point. Was Jesus always right to the point? Yes. Did Jesus miss any words? Was he politically, spiritually correct? No. Right to the point. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you beating me up? Why are you killing my followers? Right to the point. Do you know someone that's impossible? Do you believe in the power of prayer? And do you believe that God's hand can be stretched out and a light shine? I need one in my, my impossible one. He is a broken, evil man. But God brought him to my way for a reason, to humble me. And it's been fun. (laughs) Thank you, God, for three angels. You know what God's taught me in the last year? My kids are angels. I really don't care what music they listen to. I really don't. And my son stayed home last week. I preached at him in our church. He stayed home. He didn't come to hear me. That's okay. Take the week off. Because my RJ is vicious. And our children are angels. They go to school. They work hard. They're faithful. They follow our God. They live with us. And you know something? We are truly blessed with children and teenagers that are so faithful. And okay, they have an attitude once in a while. 
They get that from my mother. No, I'm sorry. Not my, my wife. I call her mom. But they get it from my wife. I'm glad she's not here. She won't listen to this either. But notice, the light, the glory causes life change. Because there is another light in the scriptures, is there not? An angel of light that's deceptive. And there's a man about 1,500 years ago that had a vision from the angel of light. And his name's called Muhammad. And you read it in his writings. His life didn't change. He became a religious zealot. He kills people for his faith. He started a religion called Islam. But the light of Jesus Christ changes your direction. There's a big difference. There's a, diff, 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 a big difference between emotion and reality. And Jesus is a God of light and powerful. And when he speaks, something happens. Look at verse 5. Who are you? Lord, Saul asked. There's a conversation going on in this light. Would you not want to be there for five minutes and hear this conversation? I am Jesus. There's that name again. Do we sing that name? Do we believe in that name? Can that name speak in the glory of the presence? Oh, I believe it. Does our nation need it? No politician's ever going to do it, my friends. God's using a playboy to lead our nation more than any politician has in the last 20 years. That is funny, is it not? Every time I see it, I laugh my head off. Only God could do this. Right? It's hilarious, and it's a joke, but it's funny. You know why? Because the 60 million evangelicals are playing church. And I voted for a playboy. Over, well, I won't talk about the other side. I'll be rude to you. I'm sorry. But seriously, that we were put in that position. But does God not control that? Whom you are what? Persecuting, he replied. Now get up. In every light of Jesus, every movement of Jesus, it's going to be a voice of the Spirit, a voice of Him, and He's going to speak, and He's going to give you a step of faith to do, will He not? How do you know? It's the presence of God. Because your life will change. And the first thing he's going to do, he's going to call you to a higher standard of faith. That's what's so exciting. That's an adventure. And I've been on it for 33 years. 33 years clean from alcohol. And the first thing God wanted me to do is no more alcohol. Three generations of alcoholics stopped with Christ in my family. And I won't dare take a drink. I would shake and die at the presence of it. Because that was the faith that he wanted me to do. And that's the hope. Now get up. Jesus attacks the direction of Paul, does he not? 
get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And sometimes, you have ever been there in your life before where all you could do is just get up and go down and sit somewhere and wait for God to speak. Sometimes that's 10 years. I am so glad he is God and I'm not. And I can't wait to get to heaven because I have a lot of questions. And if I can't answer them, ask those questions, I think I'm going to miss out in heaven. So I'm not missing out. I think we're going to have a lot of conversations in heaven. Look at his life change now. From verse 7, 8, and 9. The men traveling with Saul stood there, what? Speechless. Saul had disciples who enjoyed stoning people. And they're sitting there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. They can't see the light. They can only hear the sound. Imagine that. Be there in that presence. Verse 8. Saul did what? He got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. You talk about pride. You talk about a young man being religious. Have you ever met a young man that's a religious, prideful, arrogant person? That's Saul. And he's literally now being held forward by someone else's hand. It's weird. So they led him by the hand of Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat anything or drink anything. And we see in verse 11, for three days Saul prayed and fasted. Real quick, Saul went from killing Christians to becoming one. Whatever happened to him happened there and it changed the direction of his life. I call that salvation. I call that the voice of Jesus Christ changing the direction of a life. And whatever that glory happened, Saul actually got up and followed the order of that voice. If that's not salvation, I don't know what is. And I hope you know this voice through the power of the Spirit, through the power of His Word. Because life with it is a joy. I can't imagine it without it. Well, I can. I did it too many years. Saul went from murderous threats to praying. He was using his mouth to threaten people. And now he's on his knees, on his face, praying. Only God could do that, my friends. There ain't no one else that can do that. Because God can change the heart of an impossible one, can he not? Saul went from a man you could not talk to to someone you could what? Talk to. I wish I could come next Sunday and share the next part of God calling someone to talk to Paul. Could you imagine that story? But you know what's really exciting? Christian anti, Christians, you can talk to. And that's who we are. I can walk up to a young man and say, man, he's got a gift of preaching. He just doesn't know it. He's a terrible teacher. I can change that. And he could be better than I am. He puts me to shame. He has the heart that I never had. 
you, you could not handle me your past more than a week. Trust me. Because I was raised in a bar and I have that language, not church language. You would be so mad at me. I've hung up phones on Christians. I've dropped them. People say I'm arguing with them. I'm not arguing with you. I haven't yelled at you yet. I'm just talking loudly. That's not an argument. See, my holiness is different. I'm coming from a whole different background. But don't you love talking to Christians? It's fun. Okay, we're all weird in our way. You're weirder than I am. Since I don't know you, I can say that and get away with it, and I'm not coming back next week, so I'm safe. So I went from sight to no sight. Now he's in a need of what? A wonder. If God doesn't work in his life, he is blinded for the rest of his life. Have you ever been in a situation where if God doesn't do something in your life, you're not walking? You're not going to see. I, I've been there. It is still. I can't explain it. To know that I have 24 hours to know if I'm ever going to walk again. And Saul's sitting there. Will I ever see again? But is it not worth praying for a wonder? So that our impossible ones will be turned around? And Saul went from a religious zealot to a man on a mission from God. And that's who we are, are we not? We are men, and we are ladies, young men, middle-aged men, old men, old, old, non-gray-haired men, beautiful ladies, kind ladies, on a mission with God, Right? And if you still can breathe, you are still on a mission. There is no retirement from this mission. And the older you are, the wiser you are, the more you can see this. That life has a tendency to humble us, that the only thing we have left is a cry out to God, help. Help me, God. I can't do this. God, turn that person around. Can I go back to Acts? How are we with time? I don't even ask you. We're fine? You sure? If I'm past 10 minutes? Am I past 10 minutes? A little over. Let's go back to Acts 4, 29 and 30. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with what? Great boldness. Is there someone on your heart that you can pray for today. God, stretch your hand out to that person. I, I don't know. I don't know you. Someday I'm going to meet you in heaven and we're going to chat about this message and I won't remember it. Trust me. Someone on your heart. Has the spirit of the living God laid someone on your heart today? If he hasn't, that's fine. But if he has, you know. And you will know through today and the rest of the week. Maybe you will just walk through the world today and God will 
put someone on your heart through the week. Stretch out your hand to heal. We need more than physical healing as a nation. We need more than physical healing with our sicknesses. We have millions of people in this nation that need healing of the soul. The family is destroyed out there. If you haven't seen that, you are blinded and you're stuck in your religion. I'm working with 30 people in the last year. Every one of them have a destructive family. None of them have mothers and fathers that are together in marriage. I don't know how they make it without their mother or father. And their addiction is a symptom of hearts that need healing. And all this junk going on in our culture, look at the heart. They need healing. Do you know someone that needs healing? Do you believe in that name that your prayer can turn that person around through the power of our holy servant, Jesus? And do you have the courage to pray for a sign? And I don't know what that means. I just pray that God will knock RJ off his horse, wherever that is, however he wants But God didn't bring that person in my life just to teach me something. I believe he cares about that person. And it's going to take more than words to help him. Because I have preached the words to him. And he laughs at me. You go right ahead and laugh at me. You don't know my God. You might have your God. But my God is higher than your God. He is Jesus. And we are normal people with the power of God to pray for a sign for that person because they might need it. I don't know. But if sign doesn't work, let's go to a wonder. Let's pray that the light of Jesus Christ would shine. Let's pray that Jesus Christ would open their eyes. Let's pray that Jesus Christ would save their soul. Let's pray that Jesus Christ would do something that only we can explain by the grace of Jesus Christ. Would that not be fun? Is that church? It's not here. It's out there. This is part of it. I love church. It's discipled me. It's saved me from um, falling back into my addictions. But can I encourage you? Has the Spirit laid one person on your heart who's an impossible one? You have a godly pastor whom I would encourage you to get to know his heart. Something's there. And he's going to come up and he's going to lead us in a time of prayer for our ones. You respond as your pastor would lead you. Would you bow in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we just ask that you would move in our hearts and that those of us that just heard this message would, would be open to hear your voice. 
Lord, I ask your people as every every eyes bow or every head's bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here this morning and God brought to your mind an impossible one. Your impossible one. Would you would you stand this morning? Would you stand and say, I, I know I know who the Lord put on my heart. And I'm standing for them this morning. You have an impossible one in your mind. God wants you to step into the gap for him. Maybe you're here this morning and you heard this message and you realize, you know what, I'm the impossible one. I'm the impossible one. I want to invite you to stand too this morning. If you think you're the impossible one, As your pastor this morning, for, for your faith or standing, I just want to pray over you the words of Acts 4, verse 30. Lord, I ask for the impossible ones in our lives. Lord, I ask for those who see themselves as the impossible one in this room, that you would stretch out your hand to heal. Father, stretch out your hand to heal. You are a healer. You are a great physician. You are the one who can transform our hearts. You can transform our lives. You can bring right now and the people that we have in our minds and the people that have stood on their own this morning, you have the ability to heal them through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would heal their souls, that you would heal their scars, that you would transform that which is dark and make it into light, that you would take that which is broken and put the pieces back together, not into something that's... uh, a framework of what it used to be, but something that is brand new, a brand new creation. Lord, you can do that this morning. Lord, for those that are standing for their impossible ones, Lord, we pray with them right now, all of us together, we pray that you would stretch out your hand to heal, that you would perform signs, that you would perform wonders, not through our power or our strength, but through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us that don't know a one this morning, you can go ahead and sit down. For those of us that don't know a one this morning, Lord, let us be a church that spends time this week and prays for you to give us that one. That's a scary prayer, Lord. We know it. Because it may mean an RJ. It may mean an impossible one. It may be a wild man or a wild woman. But Lord, as your people that carry this good news as your people who have been transferred from darkness into your marvelous light, as your people who have been rescued and redeemed, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, who walk in the light as you are in the light, who walk by the Spirit and by faith, we're called to step into the gap for those impossible ones and to pray for them and to reach them in your name. So Lord, let us be a church that comes along in your mission and what you've given us to do one person at a time. Lord, we pray that we would be used by you to be agents of healing and that we would call on your name on behalf of the people that you put in our lives, that you would shine your light upon them, that you would surround them, and that your wonders would work in their hearts and lives and they would be changed for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen.